Cowboys and Coffee podcast is back with another new episode as I sit here sipping some late night coffee because I am exhausted and I'm off tomorrow. Do you're sipping yours? Yeah, I am. I got decaf. That was a great idea mommy had. We got to do what we got to do, man. How's everything going today? Everything's good? Right now we're had a schedule at work. One game, one day at a time, one game at a time. Beautiful. I break it down like like I break down the Giants' offensive uh, uh, play calling zero. <laughs> well, listen, we're right now recording during the middle of the NBA draft, and I think we're going to start. We're going to look back at the Cowboys' 2022 draft, and we're going to see which players are going to be in what roles going forward. So let's start right off the top. Atop Tyler Smith who many of us, myself included, were not terribly impressed with, but it looks like the Cowboys front office is is thriving under Mike McCarthy. They have a guy who can kick out the left tackle if necessary. He is a dominant physical force at left guard. What's his future this year for Tyler Smith? Well, it depends on the other Smith. Well, yeah, Ty- Tyron Smith has to be healthy. If he's yeah, healthy, that's... what does he look like well, at guard? Not he got a he's got a full NFL season, okay. The tools are there. He has strength. He he's got a year under. How much has he learned to play both positions? To go in there last year and have all that pressure on him did a very good job. Um, again, the draft pick everybody scratched their head. I didn't know who he was, but that's typical of Cowboys draft picks, anyways. And guess what? Surprise, he played well. And is he, if he, I want him at left guard, but it depends on the other Smith, the Smith brothers. Well, listen, first round offensive tackles often take a big leap from year one to year two. You look at Christian Dershaw, you look with the Vikings, you look at Aaron Thomas with the Giants, you look at Colton Miller, who was with the Raiders. I mean, if he takes a similar leap, we're talking about a Pro Bowl caliber tackle. Now, will he get the reps to be out there? He got the reps year one. You know, my question is, does he have the reps year two? It depends on Tyron Smith's health. But if he does and he gets those reps out there, if he gets out there because they jumble the line, whatever, well, he, he's going to have the opportunity to grow and perhaps be one of the better tackles in the league. I think he really cleaned up his technique as the year went on. I think the Cowboys were moving into the inside zone running scheme. They'll definitely do some man, but they're more zone that he can move, and if he gets his hands on you, he's going to push you out of the way and create holes for the running back. So I, I think he can take a, a big step forward, whether it's guard or tackle. Even guard, he's still going to be moving interior linemen around and getting cutback holes for Tony Pollard, whoever else is Deuce Vaughn, the rest of the crew. Well, you got a new offensive line coach coming in. They'll give him a little extra things that he didn't get from the last one. Um, and, and he just got to get out there and play again from last year, this year, when you're offensive lineman, defense alignment, it's night and day from the first year, uh, offensive, uh, wide receivers, running backs, you can go in there running. You could be a pro bowler automatically. It's hard to be those pro bowlers your first year, unless your name is Zach Martin. Right. Right. And I actually think the Cowboys top three picks of last year, they're going to benefit greatly from playing more last year and more this year. I think they're 
who doesn't, right? But I think there's they the Cowboys did a great job of drafting for traits and watching the development of their players, which Mike McCarthy has been big on, and we're really starting to see that. And that brings us to the second round pick. Your pet cat, you called him before the draft. You've been happy they have him. Sam Williams, DN from Ole Miss. He has all the physical tools. If he can start to put together uh, um, sort of the, the skill and the mental aspect, he could be he could definitely be a 10-sack guy. He got four, didn't know what he was doing. He got four sacks, didn't know what he was doing. He's going to know what he's doing now. Um, again, you have to learn your craft. You really, really do. These guys who make the pro bowler, pro bowls and all pro, they learn a craft. It's a talent. It's not just skill. I'm not going to say it's not physical. It's it's learning your skills and crafting and of come up of coming to line of scrimmage and knowing how to beat your guy. He didn't know how to beat his guy last year. Big and strong, fast. But guess what? The guy in front of him is sane. So you have to develop some. Now, we, we know DeMarcus Ware had him a little bit this year for a week, whatever it was. Listen, this guy is very, very strong. He's got defensive tackle strength for his size. He's, he's incredibly physical for a DN. He reminds me of a faster DeMarcus Lawrence. Now, that's a high ceiling to me because DeMarcus Lawrence is excellent against the run. But he has a similar – he has a, he's a little more uh, twitchy than DeMarcus Lawrence. Lawrence. And, you know, if you're going to say, okay, pass rushing downs, you could have Mike on one side, Sam Williams on the other. You can kick DeMarcus Lawrence into D-tackle, the three-technique D-tackle, and have Neville Gallimore or one of the D-tackles in there. Mozzie Smith, you want to say, right up front as another twitchy athlete in the middle. That's a good pass rush on, on long distances and downs. And they still have Durant Armstrong. They still have Dante Fowler Jr. You know, they have guys to throw in their bodies. Sam Williams, another guy, if he gets more snaps this year, it's going to be very tough to see, okay, how, how it'll be very tough for opposing offenses to block everybody. So, so well, go ahead. in the early nineties, they, they were 10 deep. Right. Tolbert and Jeff Coe and how many guys you could just throw in again and again and again and again and again. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They could just get after you. Third round guy who didn't get playing time basically all year, Jalen Tolbert. We've heard, we know he's not a top three receiver this year. He's not one, two or three. Is he, they need him to be the fourth receiver. There are a lot of people like, and we've talked about this in the previous one with Spencer. People want whatever, DeAndre Hopkins, right, as well. Okay, he's still out there. Jalen Tolbert's going to need to play on special teams, and he's going to need to be that fourth receiver. Can he be a Cedric Wilson? Can he be a LaRon Robinson? I'm not saying he has to have those guys had some decent numbers, decent years. But can he be a fourth receiver? And if one of the other guys goes down, can he step into that third receiver role? Because in this offense, you need vertical threats, which he can provide. But you also need guys to get yards after the catch. Tolbert's physical. What's his what's he, what's his makeup? Where is he going this year? Well, in any draft pick you have, this is my observation. After the first year, you can look back and say, you know, he showed me something. 
D. Williams had four sacks and didn't even know he, what he was doing. He showed me something. Smith started. He showed this guy showed us nothing. So right, right. I guess there's no only what place to go is up. Right. Now, in all intense purposes, he went and, and, and worked his tail off. They all they all work hard, but we we have to understand that he, he understands what he needs to do on the football field. Now, this is the NFL, not for long. And He's just got to show me. Wilson, who had that great pass over the middle against the uh, Vikings and took it to the house, and I guess he kind of regret that draft, that uh, signing with the Dolphins. But anyways, um, that's what you got to, you know, give me something during the year that you catch a 10-yard pass and take it 40 yards, something. He said, yeah, he blo- he belongs on the field. Last year did not belong on the field, and he didn't get on the field. You In NFL, you have to earn it. Yeah, and it was obvious that the talent jump from him playing at South Alabama to the NFL was big, was very difficult for him. You know, they had talked about him at 56 in that second round. They went with Sam Williams, and, and some people had him in the second round. He goes in the third, and it, it was obvious that he just wasn't ready for the jump in talent. That's And that's a big thing for guys from small schools when they go to the NFL. Can these guys play against not just – the sisters, sisters of the poor, you know, are they not just going to be playing against lower end talent? What's it like to play against NFL quality talent like your SEC receivers do? That's why Alabama receivers are fantastic coming out. They go against phenomenal cornerbacks and phenomenal defensive players and schemes every single week. Well, save for them when they play like Houston. Well, they've been playing they, – their college schemes are pro schemes. You have to understand your knowledge has to be on the football field. You have to be smart out there and really know what you're doing as a football player. And you you may be able to see running track, a 40-yard dash, is I'm a, I, it's an overrated thing to me. Uh, we all love to – well, he was a 4-2 guy. Uh, I can give you 10 4-2 guys are not in NFL. <laughs> Ross is one of them, okay, at the Bengals. I mean, but don't get me wrong. You have to get on the football field. Your knowledge we must – how do I get open? Yeah, absolutely. How do I get – yeah, and, and catch the ball. They talked about him as a polished route runner. We're really going to have to – we're really going to have to see that this year. You know, we we have to see him get out on the field and actually play. Uh, Fourth-round pick, they go Jake Ferguson tight end. Fourth-round tight end, I think, you know, they got Schoonmaker who's got a little foot issue – Ferguson will step up into the role that Schultz, now that Schultz is gone, uh, he's going to definitely have a bigger role. Uh, I'm a, we I'm noted as being sour on Dalton Schultz, but Ferguson gives me three young tight ends who I think can play, get out, block, who can catch the ball and bring a lot of versatility. I, I see him continuing, even if he has a similar, uh, um, Maybe a little more usage, but similar role. I see a bigger season for him. I'm not saying he's first team All Pro. I'm not saying he's Travis Kelsey or or Kittle or Andrews or Goddard, but he definitely I feel will have a bigger role and a better time and more play this year. Well, here we go. Here, here's what I'm going to tell you: Billy Joe Dupree, Doug Cosby, and this, you know, Mike Dick came out at the end of his career. Um, they've had it in, in Jason Witt. How can I forget him? Um, he's got to be in that line. I like Ferguson. He's got a little magic to him. He's got a little magic to him. And 
the John Mackey's of the world, who was the first breakaway. I mean, Dick could put it on the map, but the Colts tight end was fantastic. I love tight ends. He'll be, he's bigger and stronger this year, and they're all bigger and stronger to get open even more now. So that that's that's what you expect the tight ends. He's a he's a better blocker than Schultz was. Oh yes, absolutely. And and mm-hmm. we can't forget undrafted free agent last year. I wasn't going to bring him up, but I think we should. Mm-hmm. Peyton Hendershot. So it's two. It's three young tight ends. Right. Two tight ends who have only been in the league for now combined two years. You know, one yeah. for Hendershot and and one here for Jake Ferguson. So you have a very young tight end group that, barring injury should be there for a while. I know they still like Sean McCune, but, you know, Jeremy Sprinkle has provided some value on special teams, but we see the three young tight ends, and I think their role is going to increase, even with Schoonmaker being a second-round pick this year. We're going to move to round five. Mike Willetsko, tackle from North Dakota, who really was not usable last year. Uh, He was not the best, but... Got hurt. Mike McCarthy, yes. Mike McCarthy doesn't often sing the praises of players who get better. The first one I can remember him doing is Terrence Steele, and Terrence Steele was awful. Oh, first. He was dreadful. And he has improved to a very, very good right oh, absolutely. in the NFL. Yeah. Even to the point no, where – No, liability. Right. Even post-Dinger, we're like, nah, this guy, if he comes back. And yeah. his, his recovery tape, I was watching some drills doing today. He looks strong. The leg is not atrophied like it was. He's rebuilt the muscle there. Well, let's go. Mike McCarthy is saying this is the guy who he's improved a ton and he's pushing Josh Ball basically off the team, if not, uh, you know, to the other <laughs> side, down the guard. Mike, well, let's go. You know, I, I'm, he's got to show something to a guy who you have to at least prove you're a quality tackle. And if how tall is he? Six, seven. Yeah. He's a big boy. Yeah. Big boy. They, so fifth round last year, the Cowboys really hit. You can say fourth, even fourth round. Fifth mm-hmm. round also picked Deron Bland, cornerback from Fresno State. Five interceptions. I mean, another guy, they're like, you know, he's six foot, 197. He, he knows how to be around the football. Now you put him with Diggs and Gilmore, he might not see as many snaps. But, I mean, he's a third cornerback. He'll see a lot of snaps. Well, when they go four wides on these teams, uh, they come in the league first year and really play part-time. I got in there at the end because Lewis got hurt, not at the end, but during the season, um, they have five interceptions is very good. Very good. And he was a sixth-round pick, or fifth-round sixth? Fifth round. Fifth round, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that, to me, that, to me, says a lot that he was able to step in and play tremendously well. Because Jordan Lewis – it's not a bum. Anthony Brown, God bless him, good guy. I do not think he was terribly good. They definitely picked on him. Bland came in, and I don't think you're going to pick on him. Not Again, not saying he's Gilmore, but I think he's very tough. I think he provides the Cowboys with you know three, and now Jordan Lewis, four good cornerbacks because you have depth there. If someone needs to take a play out, you get dinged up, and you take a play off, you're not going to just come in and like, we're going at Bland. You're not. You're not doing that right now. Well, what, what happens is these guys come in when, when they go into dimes, the dime package. If it's third and 10, third and 12, they're going to tackle somebody at eight yards out. And that's what you're going to – because they're going to be on somebody. 
You're not to get the eight yard pass and turn it into 13 and get the first down with these guys. Right. That's what makes right. them good. Yeah. No, tackle. No. You catch the ball, you get tackled. That's one of those guys that we were like, wow, he's he's very, very impressive. Yeah. And he came and you can't, on. You, can't, you don't teach interceptions. It's born into you, by the way. Correct. Correct. Born he has the feel yeah. for the positions. Another way where you know, listen, this coaching staff and the scouting front office, they're they're working together to get the guys that they want, which leads me to believe that this year's team will be good too. But will last year's team, the last year's draft, it's pretty close. You know, if Tolbert can play, and I'm not saying he has to be great, if he can just give me something on the fourth receiver, Sam Williams can be double-digit sack. If Tyler Smith can keep progressing, this is like home run quality draft last year. The other fifth round pick, Damone Clark, who we didn't think was even going to play because he had spinal fusion surgery. He came in and played tremendously well. And now you have depth in the linebacking core. You have LVE, you have Clark, you have Parsons who can get back there. You have overshown. You're like, look at these Cowboys. You know, deepest since Parcells was drafting linebackers. Clark is something, his character, his leadership was born into him. He told those rookies to show up early. They were supposed to have a eight o'clock practice time, schedule time meeting to get there early leadership. It means a lot in football. It means a lot in football it really does. Uh, when you follow your leaders, you win. You have leaders, you have, you have winners. He's six, three, 240. He's not a small linebacker. No, no, he's jacked to that. Linebacker who could, he, he can fly. Yeah. And, and yeah, he's was, jacked. He had no offseason. He was really just recovering. Now he has a full right. season and he has a full weight training regimen. And his, his spinal fusion fixed everything, right? That that surgery really doesn't have any lingering. Right. Is it? And he's yeah. he obviously played the rest of the season. He had two forced fumbles last year and a fumble recovery in the playoffs. He has a nose for the ball. He he has this, you're like you said it very well, natural born leadership skills, which guys seem to gravitate towards. Another Absolutely. guy you could see him, in my opinion, take a big step this year. And especially if you allow Micah to just move, or I would say primarily into the D-end spot, Clark has the ability to take over that role in the middle. And even if LVE needs a break, he comes out, whatever, he's there. He can play. You know, also in the fifth round, the Cowboys drafted John Ridgeway, who they end up cutting. He's now with the Commanders, but he's still playing. You know, maybe, you know, he he's not out of the league. The, the Commanders well, were- he didn't Right, nice. right. You know, he doesn't have a spot on the Cowboys, but you know, I can he, play it on the Commanders. I, if I went out this weekend, this <laughs> summer, I could get on the team. Please. Listen, the final pick last year, uh, they picked Devin Harper, linebacker from Oklahoma State. Another guy who's a good special teamer. I think he has a very specific role as special teamer and depth linebacker. I could see him still making it as that fifth linebacker, or what if you want to call him fourth linebacker or fifth linebacker, depending on how you classify Mark, Micah Parsons. Um, but he's no slouch. Again, I'm not expecting him to be Ray Lewis or Brian Erlacher, but a good depth pick, and he'll be there. Absolutely. Well, you, you need you, special teams, especially with the coach they have, very valuable to your team. You, you have to understand what this defense has to do. Stop the third down conversions. You look at time pass, your top defense, they are number one in the leagues, top five in the league, and third down conversions giving up least. 32% is, I think, the, like the top 
uh, uh, average. You're a top defense, you give up 32. And if you're an offense, you're, you're 51% of converting is your top offenses. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I want to look at some other I, I can tell you from third and longs over the last 10 years, they gave up. Uh, mm -hmm, yeah, I remember um, them too. <laughs> I, I also want to look at uh, some undrafted free agents real quick. You know, they got Marquise Bell of safety. I believe that he had an interception last year. You know, he's a big boy. He They have their big three safeties. I think he's the other one. He's a, a, a good special teamer. He can play. Um, they have someone who I think this year will make the roster and play very well. That is Boston College center Alec Lidstrom, who we really like, who I think can can really push Biotish. Biotish is a Pro Bowl center, but I think Lidstrom, uh, he's – another guy who's going to benefit from off season and he's healthy coming in. And then finally you have uh, at running back, you have Malik Davis, who I still think can make the roster as a fourth, you know, a third, fourth running back, you know, Ronald Jones, Malik Davis is there. Deuce Vaughn, obviously to go with Tony Pollard. Is there some guy that stands out to you there? Who's like, that's him. That's the guy. Well, I'm, I'm a BC lineman guy. Any any lineman from BC is going to have a career. Simple, and you you, you don't have enough linemen. You know, Biadish really surprised me. He made the Pro Bowl. He earned it. He worked hard over the uh, break over the summer, and he, he they picked him in the Pro Bowl. this year. Maybe somebody. Sorry, I'm something. <laughs> That's all right. I thought it was mommy talking to you through there somehow. But anyways, mommy's always in my mind. I had. Um, so, so that that's it. I, I I liked him. I followed him out of college and stuff. Um, he knows how to play center. Is he stronger? That's what you got to stronger. That's yeah. that's what you need out of your center these days. Because D tackles, especially in this division, are big and strong. The mm. Eagles have phenomenal D tackle. At least they have very big, powerful D tackles. I'll say that. The Commanders mm. have excellent D tackles, right? The the Giants have Dexter Lawrence. Like these are not small boys; these are big boys, and they can move. Oh yeah, you have to be able to yeah, they, yeah. pressure up front, and and you know, not everybody's Mark Stepnowski, who's not exactly who's two hundred fifty pounds, but all world yeah, wrestler yeah, yeah. can pivot and put you where he. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you don't need Larry Allen at center, but you do need to be physically strong enough to be the center. So I, I have a lot of hope for that that draft class playing more this year. Um, the big question marks for me, what is can Jalen Tolbert give you anything of value? Or is he just like, okay, well, it didn't hit in the third round. You move on. You have you still have CD and Cooks and Gallup, and you just, okay, whatever. Can he show us something, especially in this offense? Can he be the vertical threat they want him to be? Okay, my question to you, all the undrafted free agents, who has the biggest rise this year? And then who is – the best of those players by the end of the season. Who makes the biggest? Ah, wow. And then who's the best? I'll I'll start. I'll say no. the biggest rise, the biggest jump is Damone Clark, and I think he has Pro Bowl caliber play in him. I think just the play and his work ability, his his ability and his work ethic, give him the ability to be Pro Bowl, especially with a line up front that's physical that clean up with Mozzie Smith and Quentin Bohannon and the rest of the guys, the, the linemen, Neville Gallimore, 
He can fly. He can pick the ball off. He's good in pass coverage. He's going to knock your teeth out. He has a nose for the ball. I think he takes the biggest jump. I say he's going to be a starter by the end of the year, and I think he can be Pro Bowl caliber. The best out of all the players, I think, is still Tyler Smith. I think he has the highest ceiling. Yeah, okay, he's a first-round pick. That's not always how it works. But I think he has all-pro caliber play in him. I'm not saying right away he's going to be one now. But I think by the end of the year, he's the best player out of that draft. Well, I'm going to go with the wide receiver. Uh, I, I think I think he the, – the hard work always pays off. And – you're going to see the hard work, but see, Dak mentored him right. a little bit. So I think he's going to know what to do on the field, where to go a little better. And I, I think you're, you're going to see – now, here's one for you. Does he give us three touchdowns? Okay, that's a good thing for a fourth receiver. Can he give you more than three? I think over under, let's say, three three touchdowns. Does he give us yeah. three? From, three touchdowns from nothing is good. Right, as a fourth mm-hmm. receiver, because CD's going to yeah. get his, Cook should get right. his, Dallas will still get stuff as a third receiver. Can I give you three? Yeah. That's a good number three. to pick on. And who's the best out of that group after by the end of this season? Who's the best? Who's the best? Out of those draft picks and free agents. Well, oh, and free agents? Yeah, and the, mm. so the guys that they signed, the undrafted free agents they signed, and that group of drafted players. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with um, the wide receiver they got from the Texans. No, no, no. You're out here. Oh, me oh, you said you said free agent. A, a group of from the 2022 draft. The guys they oh, drafted oh, and the undrafted and free agents. No, no. Oh, I, I'm sorry. My, no my, doubt this year, but like who am I talking about last year? Are those no, I understand. Who I'm is sorry, the, who will be the best of that? Sorry, Spencer. I got confused. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like Ferguson. I think I think he I think he makes the Pro Bowl. I think okay. he makes the Pro Bowl. I, I'm excited to see. He's a Pro Bowler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has. He might get the snaps if Schoonmaker's foot doesn't allow him to get a lot in preseason. He might have the opportunity to step up yeah. and do that. Okay, that's our part for the for the review of the 2022 draft. Where we're at, where we're going. I want to switch now to what the Cowboys are doing in the front office and then where they've been as a franchise. A couple weeks ago, the Cowboys hired John Park, who's basically like a rising star in the football analytics community, so to speak. It took him from the Colts and he's in charge. They're really beefing up that department. As Mike McCarthy said, he was going to, and now he's finally getting to it. They also hired this lady, uh, Sarah Molly Pale. Forgive me if I'm butchering the name. <coughs> she's a strategic football analyst. She had been with the Ravens. People are raving about her in the analytics department. Um, she is very, very smart. And, um, you know, she's she's done an excellent job in her role. They're going to start to expand the analytics department to see, okay, what can, what can they do to kind of bring it back to the old Cowboys? And that leads me to, to some of the old Cowboys and how the front office has always been groundbreaking even more recent history with jerry jones putting together um the draft board that teams use today we want to talk about jerry a little bit tech shram gil brant and the great tom landry start start with tech shram d we got a few minutes left you can see let's start with tech shram and his greatness and some of the stuff he's done oh right off the bat what do you think is dallas considered uh, the east 
Well, why should it? Why should Dallas, Dallas being the East? Right. You know and, why? And the TV guy. Television. Yeah, he was a TV guy, a TV exec with <laughs> NBC. Made all, and Thanksgiving Day, nobody wanted it. Guess what? Dallas did. Mm -hmm. right. So right there. Shram mm -hmm. was one of the main people to to meet secretly with the AFL. He, he was the one who met with Lamar Hunt to get the merger going. That was that was him. He was the one who proposed putting together an NFL combine. Um, you know, there's, a, there's a litany of things that Shram did. I mean, here's here's a few of the things. The he put socks at the top of the field goal post to see which way the wind was blowing. He mm -hmm. moved the goal post out to the end zone rather than the goal line. And he was the one who had them painted like a bright yellow. Um, he had hash marks moved in to open up the offense. He that's a, that's a vital that, that made the NFL made the NFL because defenses were only guarding so, one side of the field. It made the NFL. He pushed for instant replay on television, not necessarily use the NFL. He was the one who pushed for TV to show instant replays. He was the one who pushed for NFL films to be the league, basically historian, and to, to mic referees so they could tell the people in the stands and now on the TV what was going on. Over time, there was no more sudden death. Uh, excuse me, there's no more ties because they would just do overtime and then they had sudden death. Um, well, I, mean, I told you this for years. They don't, their organization, does not get enough credit. They, they, that, that alone is mind blowing to, to what he brought to the NFL. Sorry, it, he doesn't get enough credit. The he whole wild cards and revenue sharing for the owners that small markets could survive and really right the market for all of modern sports to revenue right. share. That makes yeah. the NBA, MLB, these small markets. Think of the Rays and how they're successful. Look at the teams who are winning in Major League Baseball right now. You have the Rays. You have the Reds. You have some of these smaller markets that are being successful. They wouldn't even be around without revenue sharing. And the last one I'm going to say about Shram, he's the one who put not only the blue and metallic silver color scheme together, he was the one who chose to make the pants sea foam, the sea foam green, because with the, the definition of right. TVs back then was not bright. So it would come through and look on television as if it was silver, because silver would just be moved out as if it was as if it was gray. I mean, unbelievable. So well, here's where to go back to to what you're saying about being an athlete and playing a sport. Let me do it the business realm of it. He came from CBS, had all that ability from CBS and he brought in it to football. So that's what you're saying about a better athlete, yes. right? I think that's what you're really, that's the illustration of it. He took that television, but the first thing he did, he made sure Dallas was in the East. Brilliant. <laughs> With New York, Philadelphia, a, DC. I would, if he were, they weren't in the East, I would have been a Redskin fan, my father said. <laughs> yep. I would have been Commanders, Comancheros. What, what are their names? I don't know what their names are. Yeah, if I do yeah. buy them, though, they're going to be the Washington Cortezes. And listen, he also C-O-R. They're going to have a C-O-R on it. Go ahead. He also worked with Gil Brandt, the godfather of scouting. Gil Brandt's the first player personnel director, right? Not just in charge of like GM responsibilities, but really player personnel development. And they worked together. There's a great little video, which I'll connect at the bottom here of our YouTube channel, called The Cowboys and the Indian, about how they used – IBM computers in the 60s to quantify players, their advanced scouting. They got players like 
Rayfield Wright, Cornell Green. They drafted guys like Pat Riley. Bob Hayes was not a football player. He was a track star. He was the fastest man in the world, a gold medal Olympian. They drafted these players and said, we're going to teach you the skill and go from there. And guess what? Yep. They did. Hall well, of Famers. They're Hall of Famers. Not They didn't have football careers. They were Hall of Famers. Yep. Uh, Gil Brandt, we get to heaven – I got six, seven hundred years to talk to him about football. Yep, good seven, eight hundred. So that thousand year reign, I'm going to have so much fun talking to him about Dallas Cowboys. I mean, he he really pioneered drafting from small schools, and it wasn't just pick from Big Eight schools or SEC or whatever, or or Pac Eight when back then they were picking from schools that no one had heard of. They're picking Jethro Pugh out of a teaching college. Elizabeth State, yeah, yeah. And, and look at Herbert Scott, Virginia Union. What's, what's the Virginia Union, by the way? What is that? Uh, but you do know the Ot Ot Otis Taylor story. When he, he came into Dallas and they locked him in the hotel so he wouldn't yes. get out. That was coming back then for him to do that. He would have had him on. He would have been on the Cowboys. Right. And, and Cowboys also, they were bringing in – ton of undrafted free agents that's where they got a lot of the guys that could bring in so many free agents and and really take a good look at who was there like drew pearson Cliff they, these guys are free agents you know your chances to go to the hall of fame as a free agent and in all decade teams cliff harris who went to i think he went to the same school size schools west con yes you know look at tom now look at landry landry's the first coach to have a laminated sheet to call the plays on the sidelines. You know that? Here's the first one to have that. Here's the first one yeah, to have I didn't a know that. weekly press conference on Tuesdays to talk to the press. Here's the first one to get specific position coaches like a special teams coordinator, like strength and conditioning coaches. The first ones to have dietitians and psych sports psychologists, right? They're the first one to have a dedicated position for kickers and punters. Remember, guys like Lou Groza, the, the toe, he's playing tackle and kicker back in right. the day. The Hall of Famer, well, they the Cowboys start saying, you know what? We're going to have specific skill players for that. And they're the first team to actually have soccer shoes for those positions, not just like regular football cleats, specific to that. They start staying in a hotel the night before for home games. That's a Landry decision. That was a Landry day. I didn't know that. We'll do that to this day. Yeah. And, and then you may think Landry creates the 4-3 defense for the Giants. And then the Cowboys, Landry creates the flex defense. It's really the grandfather of the zone blitzing scheme. And it is now it stops the run. And he created the zone, the flex defense to stop Vince Lombardi's offense, which once he implemented that, they had a very difficult time running that run to, uh, to daylight offensive steam. Scheme. Well, they, they got Lily and George Andre up there in front. It right. changed after the draft. after Because remember, the first three years, you get scrubs from – Idaho and Montana teams, you know what I mean? They, there was nothing there until so you started drafting and the better player, the Leroy Jordans and Chuck Hollies, you weren't running against them. Yeah. He also took the shotgun, which didn't have running backs in the backfield. He put the running backs in there. He improved the screen pass. And then of the shotgun, because they had running backs, teams couldn't just blitz. He really utilized the screen, uh, the shovel pass to get plays right up the middle of the field. Not to mention gloves and knee braces mandatory for offensive linemen. That wasn't used before Landry shifting on offense to tell the defense. These are all Landry things. And then you get to Jerry Jones and his draft 
Well, let me let me just touch on Landry. This uh, he coached both sides of the ball and special teams. Unheard of. Correct. Unheard of. That's where the Cowboys were. I'm interested interested to see where Mike McCarthy will. I'm not saying he's Tom Landry. I'm not saying he's Gil Brett or Tex Shrimp. Not even saying he's got the business acumen of a Jerry Jones. But what he does have is he says. He has the ability to see that something's wrong and says, I'm going to change it. And that's what he's done so far. And I'm intrigued to see where he's going with analytics. I bet you that's going to play into the running back situation. I'm intrigued to see where, what that's going to do going forward for the rest of the team as far as the draft goes. Cowboys Indian, I'm going to put down at the bottom. It's a great thing. We're almost done here. Do you anything else you want to say? I mean, it's tough to get all of that in. Where else we got? I got a shout out to Ke- Kelly Lewis. You know Kelly. Yep, she came in at the end of the year and replaced a, a, a teacher there who was um, well loved, well respected, and Kelly came in and did a fabulous job. She really, she helped uh, another teacher out tremendously. Unfortunately, she's a New York Giant fan, so you know, I, you know I, I feel sorry for her about that. But I, I did promise her I'd give her a shout out. Hey, 